God have mercy on us. Did I screw that up? And you can get listen up for only $14.99. So we're, we're just set up here at the Texas Annual Conference, uh, Memorial Day 2023. I say that in case histor- history pulls this out. Whatever great thing you're going to say, it may show up in history. Bishop Mike McKee, uh, you recently retired from active service as the bishop, but now you are dean or interim or I'm the interim permanent dean at Perkins, at Perkins School, of School of Theology, which is at SMU. And so you have been along this journey and have been connected to just about every part of the United Methodist Church. And uh, I just thought it'd be good just to catch up for a few minutes and kind of pick your brain. I think the one thing is, you know, we've making a turn. We've been through, we talked last night, disaffiliations and all that kind of stuff. I think it's interesting now to start talking about what's next. And, and there's some hard work we have to do. Uh, I think that'd be interesting to talk about. But what are, as you look ahead, I mean, what are the things that you see the United Methodist Church needs to be looking to do, focusing on the work before us based on your experience? So uh, last night during Bishop Harvey's Episcopal address, one of the things that she had come up on the screen several times were uh, new church starts immediately after those places where disaffiliation occurred. And I got to looking at those photographs and I'm thinking, uh, I just began to feel more and more hopeful as they kept playing. But it reminded me of, uh, of some disaffiliations that happened in the North Texas Conference where I was the bishop for 10 years and some new church starts that have happened and it's people who wanted to remain. And I'm thinking, I would like, I would like to start a church with people who've got that much joy yeah. and that much hope. And so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm not only feeling optimistic, I'm feeling, uh, very deep hope, which I consider as a faith perspective. Mm-hmm. Optimism is just a, more like a psychological kind of wishful feeling, thinking. wishful thinking. Yeah. And so I think this is happening all over the country in some different ways. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, the sparks are going to ignite immediately, but I do think we have a period of time in which uh, people are really arising to what has happened and realize we need to be more involved, more engaged about what it means to be a United Methodist Christian. I think it, you, sometimes you take things for granted that are right in front of you. You've been a member of a church and you've been in a church for 50, 60, whatever years, and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you in a way. I, we were talking with uh, with some t- pastors here that have started some new churches. Man, and it's exciting. And it's happening everywhere. So more than just the three that were here, it's all over in Texas. It's happening in other conferences. I know in the Southeast. And it is a joyful thing. I had an, an older minister say, well, I can't believe you'd start a, just start all these churches with a bunch of, you know, disgruntled church members. And I was just like, I was put off by that because that's not what's going on here. It is these, not. These folks are not disgruntled. They're hurt. You know, they feel as if their church has been taken away from them in a way. But man, they're coming in. You, you hear these young pastors talking about their excitement, their hope. They're not expecting things to be recreated in the way that they were. It, it's a really innovative, exciting, I think, future for these new churches and for all of us. So, John, I almost wonder, I'm, I've been, um, uh, don't give me any exams on this, but I'm very drawn to uh, Wesley in, in, in Bristol, John Wesley in Bristol, mm-hmm. and what he did there. I sort of see that emerging. I don't know why. I'm thinking that, but I see some different things that people are wanting to do in terms of ministry in the United Methodist Church, and it's like, okay, maybe we are recovering our roots during this time, and yeah. that will not be a bad thing. No, it would not be. Because we won't be counting people. We'll be 
actually doing ministry with people for people. Yeah. And uh, I just think there's a very bright days ahead. So you've been involved in you've been involved in a lot of stuff as a bishop. Um, a lot of the machinations of the denominations. You know, when we start looking ahead and say, okay, what are some things we need to be focused on to do to, I mean, I think people agree. I think there's the people, some of the folks that have left made some legitimate points about our structure of our denomination. I mean, I think it's bloated. I think it's top heavy. I think our book of discipline, we just add and add and add. It's like we almost can't function in some ways because our constitution or our book of discipline. So as you've been involved in all these things, what do you see as a few of the things that we really need to change in order to be more effective? I agree with that assessment, first of all. And um, as everybody remember, in 2012 General Conference in Tampa, we did vote to sort of do some, the beginning of restructuring the denomination. Mm -hmm. It passed, the Judicial Council ruled it unconstitutional. And so everything we try to do, it, it, it takes a lot of time and effort to get to that point. I mean, I agree with, we need to restructure. We need to remember that the discipline's really clear. It has been from the beginning of time on this, is the basic unit of the, of the Methodist Church, whether it was the United Methodist Church, Methodist Episcopal Church, Methodist Episcopal Church South or whatever, has always been, guess what? The annual, the conference. annual conference, and so that's that proves that context is so important. Yeah, uh, and I also think that probably today, uh, as a bishop, I realize that um, I realize that these conferences are much better resourced than we think. And I'm not talking about financially all the time. I'm talking about some some very gifted lay people who can help you move through certain difficult times, and you don't have to call in the outsiders to do those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think. I think we need to sort of go back to that place, and uh, and I think we'll get there. I think this may have been uh, the turning point for us to think about and to then rework the structure of the United Methodist Church. It is. Um, it, it, I did. I did say that when I got to Perkins uh, just a few months ago as the interim dean that. I said, I didn't think any group could have as many acronyms as the United Methodist Church. And I can tell you, I think the Academy does, but it just shows about how that's just pervasive throughout our culture in some ways. Yeah, and yeah. I think, and that says something to me about, about the United Methodist Church But when Church you base well. your polity off of, uh, or when you base your constitution and your policy, polity off of the government system of the United States of America, and then you wonder why it's not working well. Uh, you just have to wake up every day. <laughs> I know. But it does. We there, There's so many things, I think, that we're locked in uh, that are good. You know, it, it always amazed me. We've, we've talked about this so many times ad nauseum. But, like, um, folks like, we got to get back to Wesley. And I want to own my building. I don't want to have a trust clause. And I'm like, John Wesley invented this thing <laughs> for a reason, to keep us connected. And so it's like you don't really know what it is we want to get back to. I think a lot of the stuff going on now is cultural and tribal more oh, than it is theological uh, or biblical. But one of the things that's been talked about is um, we need to restructure in a way, people who don't know the United Methodist Church, it's a, it's a United States denomination that's spread around the world. And now we have as many United Methodists outside the United States as we do inside the United States, maybe more when it's all said and done. There will be more. There will be more. And the fastest growing part of our church is in Africa. But but they have sort of a, it's a tiered system, right? So the United States is, you know, at the general conference and then the other central conferences, they have kind of lesser authority or ability. One of the things to talk about is this regionalism idea where 
um, the different conferences around the world now have a sense of equality, right? And so the African delegation doesn't come for 13 days to listen to us talk 90% of the time about American What's going stuff. on in the United States? Yeah, we've had Bishop, uh, Bishop Miyombo on before, and it's just like, even stuff like the, the legal stuff, the trust clause property things, it doesn't even apply in other countries because they have completely different rules. I, I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm not suggesting this is what we should do, but I do wonder sometimes is maybe we ought to organize like the Anglican community has, communion has, mm -hmm. and that is, you know, they get together every 10 years, but they know that what we know is the Episcopal Church, and it's the Anglican Church. Anglican churches and other places, they do things a little differently, but they know that they are connected together, so they get together every 10 years. And, 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 and that's the, the thing. Yeah, and that that's interesting, too, because when we talked about Episcopal Church, they've already gone through this. Yes. And they already have, in Houston and in many other places, they already have this sort of, a, we call it a one-church model, where, you know, if your context, you feel like you need to do a wedding, a same-sex wedding do it and other churches don't have to do anything that goes against their conscience and and there's actually a lot of churches that don't do same-sex wedding the Episcopal Church even though the church denomination allows it and I think you know a lot of a lot of people want to have the restrictive language removed right away quickly I wonder though if like the first step is doing the regionalism so that we're all kind of having a it, it feels wrong to me to make African brothers and sisters vote on a unique American contextual deal. It just seems like, I don't know how I feel about that. As I come in here and you have to sit down and listen to us argue about something that's nothing to do with you, and then we're going to make you vote on our issue, <laughs> it, it just sounds, it sounds bad to me. I don't know. Um, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I, you said take, take something out of this one. I think that thing's got to come out initially is uh, the clause about is incompatibility, the incompatibility language. It's just, you, we don't want to say that about anybody. Yeah. I mean, there's some. Yeah, there's no child of God that's incompatible with God's grace that's and love. That's correct. Right? So it's and a, yeah, but, and every one of us have done some things that are probably. <laughs> I none say of us probably. Want, nobody wants their journal open. No, <laughs> not at all. And what so, do you think uh, one of the conversations is like financial stuff? You've been on, you've been a, a lot plugged in with like the financial stuff of so, the United Methodist Church. What do you, what do you, what do you see there going on? Well, see, so um, I've been on GCFA for uh, all my adult life is what it's beginning to feel like. <laughs> but uh, since we didn't have retirements in 2020, I'm still on general counsel and finance administration. I'm still the chair of the board. And so I've been doing that. I guess we're now in the four seven years chairing the board so I think um, this is a this is a challenging piece because we get accustomed to what has been mm -hmm. and thinking all we've got to do is sort of dial back a little bit what has been but we do not know and uh, I mean we know some things but we do not know specifically about what is what it will ultimately do to the financial structure of the United Methodist Church I'm not saying that we're going bankrupt we're not doing that but we will not have the funds available to do that which we had, let's say, in 2016. I mean, that's just obvious that's not going to happen. Yeah. So what do we do with those churches who still lost people? We cannot measure how many people have been lost from these churches yet. We can know churches that disability. But we do know, what we don't know is how many people have left churches because they wanted to leave but didn't get it to leave. And even those churches that are remaining, how financially stable are they? They're probably stable, but they're not at the point where they were four years ago, let's yeah. say. 
And so uh, we, we've got to decide, I think this is in terms of about the structure of the church, we've got to decide, okay, how are we going to create uh, our mission ministry on a, on a regional level in ways that are gonna be different than what we've been doing? And uh, I do think that that's, uh, what's gonna happen is churches and conferences are gonna do that. Well, I think sometimes it's like anything. Uh, you won't, it, it's the same we talked earlier, you take things for granted. Yeah, and when you have the money, boards and agencies and all these things, you know, you don't ever have to do any strategic thinking about retooling because you just don't ever have to tighten your belt. Yeah, so I, I think there's some good things about it. I do, and and they've had a couple of times in the last twenty years where they've had to do that. Uh, one one was when uh, I realized how many um, what the reserves were like. Okay, let's let's spend some of those down, <laughs> and uh, and then. Uh, They've had to do it because they knew that there was going to be a, a, a less apportioned funds available. Um, that was at, going to be after 2020, but we didn't have the 2020 General Conference, and, it, and we're seeing some more of that. And I know it's difficult for everybody because we all have those things we dearly love or we care about. We think it's the most important the thing the church can do. But we have to learn to we're going to work together, we're going to live together, we're going to do ministry together. And it's not about uh, protecting uh any agency or protecting somebody's job, or, and I'm not getting rid of people, be, make me clear about that. But when you use the word protection, you realize, okay, we're not preparing for a future when we do something like that. Yeah. And so, um, you don't make good decisions. Huh? You don't make good decisions. I mean, sometimes you need a little survival anxiety introduced into the system to kind of make you really deal with hard things that you just keep pushing off. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think it could be a really good thing. I've served on I've served on two boards now in the church. Of course, the General Council of Finance Administration, and prior to that, as a pastor of General Board of Church and Society. I don't know what some of the other board, many of the other boards do, and they do good things. So it's not I'm not talking about people who are failing necessarily. I'm talking about the way in which we need to um, to rethink how we're going to do this. All right, so the ladies' session's letting out, which is a good time for us to break. But tell me, you are the interim dean at SMU's Perkins School of Theology. What has surprised you being a dean at a theology school? Well, so... Um, or I should say, what do you like the best and what do you like the least? Well, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, one of, I know that school well. I mean, we have this uh, common conversation uh, around uh, and... Um, the development officer can tell you how many minutes, but how many years. I served as the chair of the executive board at Perkins for, he says it's 20. I thought it was 15 years. So yeah. I know the school well, and it's a place I dearly have a lot of respect for. Even even after I graduated, I think, well, I'm through with my education, but it didn't stop there because I was privileged to be able to uh, supervise or be um, uh, the field supervisor for a a dozen interns yeah. through my ministry, and I learned as much from them as they learned from me. Uh, that being said, I, I have discovered that there is much, there's some very good formation going on, and I, that people sort of talk about all of our schools, oh, they don't do this right, they don't do this right. I've had to tell people, even when I was here on the Board of our Ministry, it is not the school's job to teach them how to read a balance sheet. That's why we have a residency program in ordained ministry. But I've not been significantly surprised. I've been just very grateful to what's happening. Yeah. And uh, and I think the interest of the faculty and the staff to think, okay, we know we have to pivot in some ways and do some things differently. And I think they've been very amenable to that. I mean, you just look at the 
the, the Houston Galveston program at Perkins here in Houston, Texas. I mean, that is an unbelievable success story. And yeah. when I was with them at the first of the semester, I'm going, I'd like to go to school here. One of our new pastors that's coming on in one of our really innovative and creative worship communities, she graduated out of the Galveston Houston and wouldn't have been able to go do seminary if it had required, you know, Moving taking to off to Dallas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's what's happening all across the country. And I think I think that could be the the significant part of United Methodist theological education and all of our seminaries and schools of theology is to realize we can do it that way and we make it available to other people who would be very, very faithful, good uh, clergy in our conferences. Well, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Exciting times. There's a lot of joy in this so, uh, place. So the, the real question is, what the hell are you doing here at all? I mean, just for Perkins? I'm are you like the Perkins delegate? I'm, I'm not the Perkins delegate. I'm, I'm going to speak... <laughs> I'm going to speak to the conference this afternoon for five minutes. All right, about Perkins and uh, <laughs> and thank thank the Texas Annual Conference and uh, Methodist Hospital, yeah, for the satellite, the hybrid program here. That's awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you good and time. all the always work. Always good to see you, man. Yeah, always good to see you too, and uh, may see you later this evening. Who okay. knows? All Take right, care. Buddy. bye bye. Well, I'm John Stevens. I'm and, Mike McKee, and this is Pod Have Mercy. Oh.